Beep boop. Rebooting the lateral show. A sideways look at fantasy football. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen it's, it's the lateral, lateral show. show. Fasten, Fasten your seatbelts, because here, here we go. We go. The Lateral Show, with your hosts, Herms and McLateral. Welcome back, ladies and germs, to another edition of The Lateral Show, a sideways look at fantasy football. It's your boy, Herms, here in post-production to let you know that this episode went a little bit long in the tooth, so we decided to break it up into a two-parter. Yeah, that's right, you get two episodes, (laughs) haha! We will be talking with our friend Bo McBrayer of Fantasy Pros about the whole San Francisco not having Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback thing. And then in part two, you will hear our fun discussion about the frustrating landscape of tight ends in fantasy football. But just, again, wanted to let you know, it's a two-part episode, so for most of part one, we're just going to be talking about the 49ers. Without any further ado, here's the normal show welcome back to another edition of the lateral show a sideways look at fantasy football my name is herms on twitter at herms nfl joined as always by my co-host e equals mc lateral what is up my guy uh maryland's losing 53 to 46 in college basketball so that could be better uh but other than that you know eats and greets as always seasons eatings and it is the season of a 51 to 49 democratic majority in the senate because Raphael warnock has defeated herschel walker a uh, man who truly terrified me with the prospect of being my senator yeah, you know, and I was a little concerned at first when they said there was going to be a runoff because I was like, there's no way Warnock is beating that guy in a foot race. It's just not like we already know Herschel Walker's 40 <laughs> time. Like he's way faster. But- yeah, I mean, but he took a lot of wear and tear over those years playing. So Warnock, you know, with his like sprightly reverendy knees where he just kind of stands there a lot, you know, he might actually have a little more in the tank. That is you true. know that Herschel Walker doesn't have CTE. CTE has Herschel Walker. Oh, God. I mean, look, that's, <laughs> it's, it's a good way to describe it. And, you know, now that we've heard another voice, so another guest back on the show for the first time since, what, before week one? I think it's been a while. We've definitely, it's been a while. We have lacked in that department. But you know this man as the king of hot, spicy goodness over there with the big time flavor co and you also know like look like so whenever you go to fantasy sixpack.net you look up the waiver wire i enjoy my article that i do but if you want to cross-reference my picks you're like i like what herms had to say but let's go ahead and see what somebody else has to say what Bo does over there at that 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 fantasy pros waiver wire article i'll tell you between you and fitz and Debro, like it's a very it's a very good column so ladies and gentlemen Bo McBriar, Mr. Bo McBigTime himself. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate you both. I love you both. 
Um, this is this is a fun show to be a part of. Yeah, all love. Um, yeah, uh, Herschel Walker, part of the best trade in Cowboys history, maybe the best trade in NFL history back in the early 90s. What spurred on that dynasty in the early 90s for the Cowboys was them dealing Herschel Walker to the Vikings for every draft pick they would ever have, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you know, th th that is how I think I will choose to remember Herschel Walker because uh, the other version is not one that I definitely... Uh, Herschel Walker <laughs> is like 90s, is like country music. He he kind of hit the skids at around the year 2003. It's like pre 2003 Herschel Walker, we love that guy. Post 2003 Herschel Walker is a pandering sack of excrement. Yeah, we can we can pretend country music was good back in 2003. Look, okay, I will what? I will take I will t defend this take <sighs> to to my death. What Rascal Flats was doing? Oh my God. Look, okay, or Willie singing it. I don't want to hear it. And Waylon's also acceptable. And yes. Shooter. There's quite a few. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, but yes, there was pandering bullshit in country music all the way through those eras. But we like the outlaws. We like the guys that did the, the, the music in the face of the establishment. That's sure. why we love those guys, those characters. But Rascal Flats, like what Herms is saying, is they were part of the establishment, but they were so musically gifted that they transcended the genre in probably a negative way after they faded from from prominence. It's like they they paved the way for all this bullcrap that we have on the radio these days. So yes, I'm going to stand by the Herschel Walker is country music. <laughs> well, when life is a highway, you got to ride it all night long. And uh, I think with that, we should ride into uh, being on our soapbox, which. Bo kind of did already there. Yeah. I mean, like, that's a great take for the soapbox from a guest if I've ever oh, seen oh, one. Oh, real quick, just want to add. On this show, we will be talking about the San Francisco situation and also middling tight ends. There we go. That's the preview. <laughs> no. All right. Do we typically preview the show before we get into the soapbox? I I try to introduce and tease something that we're talking about. Okay. At least. Okay. San Francisco thing's great because I live an hour and a half away from, from the Bay, and so it's, it's I'm glad it's glad it's great for one of us because it's not great for me, but we'll get into to that later um, on our soapboxes yes. yes well you want me to go real quick yeah uh, for sure go for it okay yeah. okay so speaking of the niners as you may have noticed over the past 24 hours i ran a poll on twitter as to who should the niners start at quarterback you guys you almost did me proud and you still did on a certain level because <laughs> the ultimate, it was 44.9 percent of the vote triggering a runoff with our second place candidate rock purdy is the p the guy you want to start for the niners but number two ahead of josh johnson with 10.2 percent of the vote and baker mayfield now with the los angeles rams with 15 percent of the vote you all picked a squirrel with 29.9 percent .9 of the vote and i gotta say I, I am proud. As, as much as I like seeing the squirrel ultimately win, and I think if we do send this to a runoff, the squirrel will come away with a surprise victory. Um, I'm glad that... Surprise, but just. It's a I'm, just I'm, victory. I'm just glad to see that the fantasy football community knew, or at least 127 of you knew, that a squirrel is a better option under center than Baker Mayfield. 
And that is yeah. why I am so surprised that the Los Angeles Rams. We should be so are, proud of our community right now. Oh my God. The Rams are going to pay him the rest of his contract because they had to pick him off of waivers. $1.3 million so that he maybe loses a uh, like practice battle to John Wolford. Like, cause that's, what's going to happen. Right. Wolford has well, Wolford, looked, Wolford's hurt looked too, better. Though. Yeah. Yes. He so that beat, is a, yeah, he has to beat Bryce Perkins. He has to beat Bryce Perkins, which is still up there. I think to be fair, Baker Mayfield, like it, it probably goes a squirrel, Baker Mayfield, and then Bryce Perkins. Bryce Perkins has looked objectively terrible. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to be that guy, but let's be clear. Like, Brock Purdy may have struggled to make a throw longer than five yards, but like Bryce Perkins is bad. <laughs> Anything yeah. is better than that. I don't know about that because I, when watching in college, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Debbie C2C guy myself. I, I recruit all, I, I watch film from high school to the pros. Brock Purdy in college was a four year compiler. He holds all these school records because can you name another Iowa state quarterback off the top of your head? Oh, again, like I think he was oh. just in becoming Mr. Irrelevant <sighs> in the draft. Bryce Perkins, at least for fantasy sake is a better fantasy option than Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. We were afraid was not going to get drafted. I was more afraid that he was going to get drafted. And I laughed until my stomach hurt when the 49ers took him at the very end of the draft, because what I saw on tape from Brock Purdy was a guy with no arm strength, no, his release time it could be measured on a sundial. And we're talking about a guy who only performed well with rhythmic play action passes, like you said, low A dot to guys who, I mean, that, that's what it's a perfect spot for him. Perfect spot for any quarterback where even a squirrel could run that offense. And I, I think I voted for squirrel. I'm not afraid of it because Brock Purdy was Squirrel's my the correct QB. answer. Yeah, Brock Purdy was my QB 21 of that class. QB 21. And he was drafted, I think, as QB 7 or 8. Because it was an all-time bad class. And he was still 21 for me. Brock Purdy is awful. And he's going to get exposed. Even with just that that four three and a half quarters of game tape is the rest of these opponents the 49ers are going to have. That's going to make They're going to make Brock Purdy's life a living hell. Because he is a terrible quarterback. And fortunately, we've got a huge programming block to really break down that situation because it's a huge part of, you know, what's going to be talked about this week for sure. And, you know, I've got some interesting thoughts on that as well, and I'm really looking forward to getting to that, but we cannot without me also hopping on my soapbox. Going off of what you said about Baker Mayfield there, McLateral, uh, I am floating this theory out, not because I believe it's remotely true, but because this would be way more fun if it were actually true. What if, and bear with me, this has all been a long con on the part of Baker Mayfield to work his way to a team that, when healthy, actually has good receivers? What if he purposefully was horrible <laughs> for the Carolina Panthers, only to eventually be waived, only to eventually find his way to the Rams because he knew it would be advantageous? So it's complete he, mat shit, but it would be I'm hilarious, gonna, wouldn't it? I'm, I'm going to undo your theory in one fell swoop. Yeah. Name me one wide receiver on the Los Angeles Rams right now who's healthy and better than DJ Moore. 
I said when they're like he will have worked his way to a team. He's not going to be on the team when any of them are healthy because they're going to cut him after a year. Maybe, but and you know again, why? Because they get a supplemental fifth round pick if another team signs him next year. Not only that, but like let's be clear, like they're going to he would only be a backup and i think he still has some starter aspirations wrong as they may be and like matthew stafford is the starting quarterback of the los angeles rams until that contract is up like he just did that's a while that's but a while with the concussions and the spinal cord he may retire i don't know it's a goofy theory i know it has no merits but it's more fun it's more fun. it is more fun i will give you that so work with me, everybody con. out there, everybody out in the lateral universe, all you six packers, work with me on this batshit crazy theory that absolutely has no merit whatsoever because <laughs> we choose fun on this show. That <laughs> now, real, real quick, I will say that Brock Purdy, as bad as he is, and we're going to get into like as bad as he is here shortly, he actually had more intended air yards per pass attempt in this season so far than Bryce Perkins. Now, yes, I get that like Bryce Perkins at least has some mobility to him. Like that is a boost for fantasy. But like if you're getting beat on intended air yards by a guy who literally like can't throw the ball like further than six yards, that's a real problem. It definitely is. It definitely is a little bit, you know, but again, it's a big topic. So we got some, but Bo, if there's anything that you would like to hop on your soapbox and talk about, by all means, go ahead, and then we will get into the fastest minute in fantasy football recapping. How happy were you guys to see Deshaun Watson struggle? Oh, Sunday? that was great. That was great. I got no complaints. Yeah. Oh, okay. That, my soapbox is that a little bit of rust will fade. Deshaun Watson will return to form. He's yep. a really talented player. He's an excellent NFL quarterback. His rust will wear off far, far before any kind of um, any kind of improvements are felt by the people he affected. So that's what I want to step on is saying, "Hey, Deshaun, had you had a pretty bad day there, bro." Well, I'm here to say, good. You, I hope you have plenty more in your future because maybe, just maybe, for a split second you'll feel just a hint, a fraction of the shitstorm that you caused 24 separate people. Maybe. If not, more power to you, bro. Hope you get the help you need. He has a better chance of uh, winning a Super Bowl before he ever fixes his image. Like, just straight it's up. It's not even like, image. It's like, hey, maybe just show us that you're a grown-up with uh, contrition. And maybe, uh, maybe take some get, take some fault for something you did. Like yeah, I, just I, just exclaiming your innocence isn't doing it for anybody. That's the even issue. the people I, that are on your side just want some honesty out of you, bro. That that's the issue. I think to show contrition, you have to be contrite. And Deshaun Watson doesn't think he's done anything wrong, so he's not right. going to be contrite. Exactly. And that's why, like, is cathartic as it could be to see him do poorly and he did poorly and was definitely rusty for me it's just not going to change the fact that like he abused his position to sexually assault multiple women and you know that's just not okay and unfortunately so, the end of that story is going to be he ends up having a successful career in the nfl before I very ceremoniously changed my major in the middle of my college experience i did pre-law 
And the phrase from the law library that sticks out and keeps replay in my mind is a simple pattern of predatory behavior, modus operandi. And his could not be clearer. Yep. A pattern of predatory behavior. I would agree. Whether his whether his crimes or or indiscretions or whatever level he did, it was a pattern of predatory behavior. Whether or not he did anything that would warrant a violation of the penal code, we don't know that for sure. He hasn't been charged with any kind of criminal complaint that we know of. Or at this point, he's he's dealing with a civil suit, which is going to hurt his pocketbook in the end, like like it did OJ. OJ got acquitted in the legal in the criminal court, but he went broke, bankrupt from the the civil court, finding that the preponderance of evidence that he was responsible for those two deaths. It's like Deshaun Watson's going to pay for this monetarily, whether it's not it's not going to be from his eleven game suspension off a one million dollar contract. That wasn't enough. His consequence is really just going to be, oh, how long until we see the real Deshaun Watson on the field? Like, he's going to have to answer questions about, why aren't you playing well? Those are the only consequences he's going to really feel from this whole ordeal. I think that's that's just shit. Yeah. I wish there was a better pivot out of a topic like this. <laughs> uh, there's not. Hey, so- soapboxes <laughs> are fun, though. They are, and that's why we do this at the beginning of every show. And also, you know, like, l- listeners, viewers, I mean, obviously, like, you know, my the awkwardness in transitioning to the next part of the podcast is definitely not any indication of how I feel about this topic. It's just that there's really no way to do it better than what I'm doing right now. So we will move on <laughs> to, okay, we will move on to, before we do the thing for this week, we have to talk about the things from last week. And that is why Nick Lateral, the fastest recapper in all of fantasy football podcasting, will tell us what happened with the things that we discussed last week. All right. Well, last week we had two topics for Herms. It was the way too early 2023 redraft mock draft. We did two rounds with 12 teams and Justin Jefferson was our consensus 101, which I think is really the biggest takeaway. Uh, We didn't even have a running back come off the board, I believe, until 104. Um, And then we also covered Damian Pierce versus Dante Foreman. Rest of season did a bit of a deep dive into that. I picked Foreman overall, but said Pierce would do well in week 13. And maybe it's the better play in week 17 that we'll see if Foreman can just absolutely ball out as the rest of the season goes on. If he does, I think he's actually got about an equal shot, which Herms and I discussed. But for now, going with Pierce in week 17, Foreman overall. Uh, And Pierce was solid last week against the Browns in week 13, despite, you know, not getting in the end zone quite. You know, I think he did he manage to get in the end zone can't remember i don't remember yep i think he had 57 yards on and no touchdowns yeah so i was gonna say he like did okay with the yards definitely bounced back 100 yards definitely a bounce back from uh his previous two performances where he averaged eight yards a game so not great but improving that's all we got i like that i like foreman rest of season as well yeah. There you go. See, and now we have additional input. There we go. The That's fastest good because they're my two RB twos in one league. That is true. So there we go. The fastest minute in fantasy football recapping brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. If you would like to play Thrive Fantasy and you like to do uh, DFS, but uh, 
but uh, not <laughs> yeah but not because prop bets are more fun you can sign up using promo code herms for a 100 percent match on your first deposit up to 100 doll hairs so we're talking if you put down 20 dollars, boom you get 40 dollars. if you put down like i don't know like 33 dollars, it's like boom 66 dollars. i mean like so you understand how that works Man. promo code herms on thrive fantasy if you sign up today or well i guess it doesn't have to be today but what not the point there we go that's the do thing now yeah I, do it right now don't even pause the show just like literally do it now while i'm saying this we'll we kill have the technology time. exactly come on <laughs> come on folks but yeah so we got that out of the way and now we get into the main part of the show for which we have no title i which the show that's what it's called so we teased a little bit before kind already talked a little bit about Brock Purdy, but he is in the news because one handsome James Garoppolo, uh, unfortunate situation with his foot that will cause him to miss the rest of the regular season. I will let you pick it up from there. McLateral, resident Niners fan, what would you like to discuss surrounding this San Francisco 49ers franchise? Yes, unfortunately, uh, during the game against the Miami Dolphins, Jimmy Jesus, Jimothy Garoppolo, our Lord and Savior, he, um, he, he broke his foot. Um, now, it turns out he's not going to need surgery. And so if Brock Purdy can just somehow get us to like the NFC championship, we may get Garoppolo back and actually have a shot. Um, but I'm not holding my breath. And so then Brock Purdy came in, Mr. Irrelevant, took over for the Niners offense and was surprisingly adequate i think is the correct way to describe it like <laughs> was my actually, bar, the bar was so low but he hopped right over it like <laughs> i expected it to be bad and it wasn't bad it was uninspiring it is definitely something that if a defense has time to game plan for next week could be an issue because well, Mike McDaniel is familiar, of course, with the Shanahan system, given that he is part of that coaching tree. He didn't game plan for a quarterback that can't throw the ball more than six yards. But future teams may actually be able to go, OK, you know what? If we just like shut them down, they're going to just have to run it on us. And maybe we can live with that. And I think we'd be in real trouble if it wasn't for the defense, but the defense like might be just enough for us to actually win football games. But here's the thing. We're here to talk about fantasy. And so my question to the panel here, can you play any San Francisco 49ers going forward with Jimmy Garoppolo out? Because he is not coming back for your fantasy season. He may come back for the Niners season, but he will not be back at all during the regular season. It, there's literally no way. So my theory is that Christian McCaffrey is a yes. You know, between his athleticism, his dynamism, the usage he gets in that offense, and the fact that he will now have a quarterback even more willing to dump off to him than ever before, he's probably going to be pretty safe. Because oh, yeah. we've already seen him on bad offenses with poor quarterback play and have him be fine his whole career. Yeah. So <laughs> not too worried about him, but I think anyone else is genuinely up for discussion. So I guess I want to start with Brock Purdy. Can you play Brock Purdy at all in fantasy? Because 
he actually <laughs> that is a fair point but let me let me just get this in here brock, brock purdy actually scored 15.3 fantasy points according to fantasy pros i think an respn league that you and i are in our home league terms it was something like 14 and change yeah. which is like not amazing but considering he didn't play the full game first start miami's not a terrible defense like that is on paper surprisingly good now so i put it to you guys are we going to get more like on paper surprisingly good performances because to me i see a lot of similarities with him and his usage to another san francisco offshoot type of a team the new york jets and mike white Again, Mike White may very well be an actual better quarterback than Brock Purdy. And I think if you think that, that is fair. But the way that they are utilized in their respective offenses because of their limitations is very similar. Now, Mike White, oddly enough, this year, 7.4 intended air yards per pass attempt, which is surprising. But yeah. last year, 5.9. So right in the Purdy zone, as I'm calling it. The Purdy zone. Bryce Perkins, uh, Bryce Perkins, uh, 5.8 intended air yards per pass attempt and Brock Purdy 6.3 this year. So again, I think there's a lot of similarities there. So my question to you guys first is Brock Purdy, any likelihood of fantasy relevance? My vote is no, but I want to just get your guys thoughts on the matter and then we'll continue to go down the offense. I'll defer to our guest. So we have to consider Brock Purdy as a streaming option before we can unbuckle this here uh when you're looking at the quarterback landscape below 50 percent rostership um brock purdy is obviously very low on the spectrum very probably little close to zero right i mean, think <laughs> he was four percent when i looked last and that's up four percent from last week of course uh, it's it's you have to consider him uh, an option for your super flex QB two, especially if you had Jimmy Garoppolo in that spot, or if you had, um, if you had another injury, like you, there's a couple injuries that popped up this week where Brock Purdy might be your only option at quarterback off the waiver wire tonight. The problem is, can you expect any kind of fantasy output from a guy who is averaging six yards per pass play like he's when he's dropping back he's dumping it off every single time and they don't want him to attempt passes farther down the field because his like i said before his release time could be measured on a sundial he doesn't have the arm strength or the arm talent or the timing to throw boundary passes or downfield passes once you get a little bit of tape on this guy you're we're gonna see he's riddled with limitations as an nfl passer as far as McCaffrey goes, I completely agree because not only do, is he so great that everybody should bow down to his talent, but the next the next four games that encompass the rest of our fantasy season, Buccaneers give up a fair amount of yards to running backs from the backfield. The Seahawks give up what, among the most point, fantasy points to running backs. The Commanders, same thing, receiving yards to running backs. They, they're tough against the run, but they give up a lot of outlet passes to running backs. And the Raiders can't stop anybody. Those are four very appealing matchups for running backs in the, for the rest of our season. Is Brock Purdy going to be relevant in any of those games? No. I would say that his ceiling is the 15 points that he put up in 
every series but the first one would when, when jimmy garoppolo broke his foot on the first series of the game so it was pretty much a full game it's true and he had two easy touchdowns on drives where they ran the ball right into the teeth of what i think it's a 29th ranked defense in the nfl in miami so yeah the rest of these defenses other than seattle and the i think the raiders in seattle still grayed out better than the dolphins but that's more of like game flow type things so no i don't think brock purdy's gonna even eclipse double digits the rest of the season yeah i mean like my my biggest thing just because i mean like a lot of what has to be said has already been said but like the only reason this is super relevant is because of super flex leagues because we've talked on this show this season about the fact that if you decided to invest in a quarterback who is any younger than me then you are up a creek without a paddle this year you just are it sucks but it's true it's very much a youth movement in the nfl right now but also in fantasy at the quarterback position something that we were not particularly prepared for at the outset so we've had to adjust on the fly and trust weird quarterbacks that we weren't super stoked about before which is why like in our waiver column like i've been like you know what <laughs> let's right. go taylor heineke sure i was gonna say you the know? same thing <laughs> like, i hate taylor heineke i can't i can't even watch him i said he is the making sausage of the quarterback position it's like you don't want to watch him play because you'll throw up but at the end of the day he's got 15 16 fantasy points you're like damn it taylor thank you that was that was solid yeah dude <laughs> and like and the other part of it is you know like you were saying before you know uh it's like, was it good against, like, Miami, all things considered? Like, sure, but, like, can we expect he will necessarily do that again? No, but, like, the surprising output that we got from him is basically the Kenny Pickett special, who is also probably going to be available, who at least, you know, like, you know. On the ascent. I firmly believe it. I but I, I I can't talk about that every show because I was told from the producers it's I have to only I have to space it out once every three weeks that I talk about <laughs> Kenny Pickett. But like you know and like like no is the cast of characters in Pittsburgh better? No, but you know Pickett has the familiarity of he's been in the offense for much longer and has more you know rapport built. So my point being is like sure you're gonna have to pivot to younger uncomfortable options, but even then you can still probably do better than Brock Purdy for as ugly as it is. Well, so then let me give you two of those options here. You've got Brock Purdy up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got Mike White up against the Buffalo Bills and you got Bryce Perkins. Let's say he is the starter for Los Angeles this week, which we're not sure he will be, but let's for the hypothetical say that he is. Sure. up against the Las Vegas Raiders. Which of those three quarterbacks are you playing? Tyler Huntley. <laughs> <laughs> Not an option. Not an option. He's, a, he's definitely exercise. an option. He is a definitely an option. Yeah. And if I'm looking at a, an injury replacement quarterback, I'm looking at this list. It's the guys you mentioned plus Tyler Huntley. I'd re much rather play Huntley. But I feel he's, like most everyone would rather play Huntley. I mean, he'll be a top waiver priority probably the right. top for the quarterback position for sure. I can see that. Yeah. And then you have guys like Ryan Tannehill, who's just laying in the weeds for free 25% roster ship in every league. And you're like, okay, 
why are we not playing a guy or picking up a guy who's got a favorable schedule and has been a QB one the last two years in a row? Well, actually, if you've read the heat check this past weekend over a fantasy six pack, I would have told you that you should pick up Ryan Tannehill and that you should not have played him this weekend against the Philadelphia Eagles. Incredibly tough defense. And if you listen to that, you will have Tannehill available to play the rest of the season and probably be pretty good and have avoided his poor performance last week. I'm glad you and I are on the same page here because uh, unless you're in the deepest league imaginable and Brock Purdy is the only guy available, I'd still probably play a position player in the Superflex over him. Okay. Just saying. Well, I think that's fair enough. So let's move on to one of those position players then. You talked about how good the running back matchups are. Jordan Mason, does he have any value now with Brock Purdy under center, possibly as a flex or a zero RB, RB2? Absolutely. Over to you. Yes, he does. Because here's the thing, man. Look, look, dude, and shout out the homie Jeff Bell over there, football guys, for whom Jay Bell tolls. He had me hip with the Jordan Mason drum beat from camp. You know, like they love that kid. You know, and so I went back and I looked at a lot of what he did at Georgia Tech. And like with that being, you know, like around your neck of the woods at this point, you know, so you you know what that offense is. It's ground and pound. That's what they do. You know, so like you have to be like a pretty, you know, built type of running back to be able to, you know, withstand being in that type of system anyway. And he just showed like he can barrel through dudes and do all of that. And serving as that archetype in like in a harmonious fashion with a Christian McCaffrey, especially with how they're going to have to augment that offense to try to keep McCaffrey even more, you know, like they're obviously trying to keep him healthy or whatever, but this is a guy like last time we had Bo on the program, we were talking about the Christian McCaffrey injury stuff. So it's just like weird how that kind of tied in, but like, you know, it's, it behooves them to lighten as much of the workload for McCaffrey as possible while still having him involved and to maximize his skill set, you do want to lean on a back like Jordan Mason. So just even, purely from a schematical standpoint of like the things that they're going to want to accomplish, he fits so well with what's going to work for a Brock Purdy-led offense that he has to be on your bench at minimum. I love how the 49ers for two consecutive years have picked up two rookie running backs and the later rookie running back has been the better and higher higher rated prospect on my list and for two consecutive years those results have have borne out the same way it's like we had i had elijah mitchell way ahead of trey sermon last year i laughed in their face when they traded up to get trey sermon because i knew he was a turd couldn't play football didn't want to play football he just got he got lucked into playing time at ohio state then you have this year where you have Jordan Mason going in there with TDP. Tyron Davis Price on tape was awful. I couldn't stand to watch that guy play at LSU. When they picked him with a, they used draft capital on that guy. And then they go and get Jordan Mason way after the draft and said, hey, if you play special teams well, TDP doesn't play special teams. Jordan Mason's a special teams ace. Like he was outstanding on special teams. He was their rock on special teams as a fir- like fresh, undrafted rookie, nose to the ground, lunch pail guy. Kyle Shanahan loves those guys. The guys that are like, hey, whatever you need me to do, coach, I'm out there. I'm bashing skulls from day one. And guess what? When TDP goes down and all these other backs go down because that's what happens in San Francisco every year, it's like, guess what? We put this kid in and 
Well, he's a damn good ball carrier, too. Holy crap. I had no idea. TDP irrelevant. Imagine that. And just like a, a quick note, because I mentioned it like earlier in the season, but just to remind viewers and listeners, like there is a quote like from the coaching staff ahead of the regular season when it came down to the roster cuts and all that about the motivation behind moving on from Trey Sermon. The one name that was explicitly mentioned was Jordan Mason. I rest my case. <laughs> Does Trey Sermon play special teams? No. Does Tyron Davis Price play special teams? No. Does Jordan, Bays, J- Jordan Mason play special teams? Yes, and he's the best guy we got on special teams. He's not going anywhere. Bingo. Is so, he, he going to run the ball over Jeff Wilson early in the season? No, Jeff Wilson's a better pro, as at least more established in the system. And then Christian McCaffrey comes later, and you're like, okay, well, we have Elijah Mitchell. Well, Elijah Mitchell's hurt, and now you got Jordan Mason back in the fray. And he's showing out. He looks great out there. He's bruising guys. So he does. But for all that is so I I think all the points you guys made are great. Flex play. Yes, I'm playing Jordan Mason in a lot of my flex leagues. I think it depends on the depth of your league, because for as good as he was against a weak run defense, he had exactly 5.1 fantasy points. Yeah. And like that's no receiving yards. Yeah, no receiving receiving yards. yards, Zero targets. All the receiving out of them. And there's no way they're going to go away from McCaffrey. And no. they have Kyle Juszczyk if they do want to go away from McCaffrey. They will have no desire to go Juice. with Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason's not going to complain about that because he's like, I know my role in this offense. I know my role in this team. It's not catching a ball out of the backfield, and that's okay. So there's going to so be no he's Brian Robinson, but I think he's better than Brian Robinson, honestly. Interesting. You know, I, he certainly looked great this past week. I think he will be an integral part of this team's NFL offense. But okay. I think for fantasy, unless you're in it's a tough. deep league or maybe making a DFS play where you're trying to like yeah. game the system a bit, I think it's going to be tough to get the necessary production out. I, I appreciate that because I'm speaking on the fa- on behalf of my few uh, of my 36 leagues that have three flex starters, and so if I have three flex starters, yeah, he's definitely you could probably play Jordan Mason because if he scores a touchdown, I'm looking at double digits from a guy who wouldn't would otherwise give me a zero. Like last week, my 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 third flex starter was Chiga Conquo. Thank goodness he got he finally got the run over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. thank good my my turp my turp homie uh, Chiga Conquo got uh, more snaps and routes run than Austin Hooper for the first time this year. And there's a changing in the guard a foot here uh, in Tennessee. That's what I was waiting for. And that's what I was hoping for last week. And now it's really happening. I'm excited because I, I can make a playoff run. If Chica Conquo is my third flex starter. Spoiler alert. This is not the last time we're talking about him. This show. Love to see I it. love that. Love to see it. Okay. So general consensus seems to be, we're all pretty pro Jordan Mason. It's just a matter of what your needs are because of the production he's going to put out. Expectations can't be that high. Got great. Love it. Moving on. I initially had the wide receivers here, but we're going to save them for the end. So let's talk tight end. Let's talk George Kittle, an elite tight end to say the least. But the issue is he's elite at every facet of playing tight end. And the Niners know that and they use him accordingly. And he seemed to bear the brunt of the Brock Purdy shift this past weekend because he ended up with two receptions for 22 yards on just three targets. Not great to say the least, especially considering one of those 
was a 19 yard reception. So he had a 19 yard reception, a three yard reception, not what you're hoping from your elite tight end. What do we feel about George Kittle going forward? Is he playable? Is he a guy where you're just like the ceiling? So I have to play him. What are our thoughts? Who wants the floor? Bo, you're up. George Kittle needs to forget how to block. That's what needs to happen. It's never going to happen. Forget how to do it. And I know he's a football player first and it's a team game and he's the best player they have on offense at every facet. What they need from him is not what we need from him. What the 49ers need from him is to be a third offensive tackle for Brock Purdy. And you can throw out the narrative, hey, every rookie quarterback's best friend is his security blanket. Well, that's not George Kittle. That's obviously Christian McCaffrey. And so it's it's not good for us. It's not good for us at all because if you drafted George Kittle, you're drafting him as a top five tight end. And it's just not how it works with the 49ers offensive scheme, especially with the third string quarterback now in the game. And to put that in perspective here, to add to Bo's point, I've got the snap counts up. You got four guys with 100% snap share all on the O-line. Then you got two guys with 96% snap share. One's Trent Williams. The other is George Kittle. Despite being on the field for 96% of the offensive snaps, he got three targets. And his route participation was in the 60 percentile, which is not what we're looking for with tight ends. I know that from uh, my horrible experience with Kyle Pitts this year is just because they're on the field does not mean they're running routes. And just because they're running routes does not mean they're getting targets because some of these coaches, they feel like their best chance to win is by outsmarting their opponent instead of just playing the best players in the right position. Well, Herm's anything to add here. To pick up the baton about, you know, that kind of points about how, you know, their coaches are going to use them in the way that they're going to use them for the real life team, not necessarily what we really want out of it. I'm not going to go over every single outcome here, but what I am going to point out, I got his game log pulled up, PPR scoring. Now, also, just caveat, I understand that George Kittle missed a little bit of time, as he occasionally does, just because of the type of player he is, blah, blah, blah. So even with that understood... You know, like type of duty is. He has one, two, three, four, five, six games under double digits. The highest of those, mind you, is a 7.7 point effort in week five against Carolina. Now, the boom weeks where you love him, you know, like three weeks in a row, six through eight, and we're talking 16.3, 21.8, 12.9. You know, you love to see it, folks. You love to see it really huge game against Arizona. Like that was sick. Right. But what I'm pointing out is that even with Jimmy Garoppolo, they've built an offense that does not necessarily need to feature him. And I really think, you know, and this is no indictment on George Kittle whatsoever, but like we take his real life prowess and, you know, just assign a fantasy value to it that I think was more consistently true in the past than it currently is. And I think even beyond just this... It was true when our second best wide receiver was Trent Taylor as opposed to Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. 
So it's like this conversation, like, you know, obviously we don't have the time to expand upon this, but I mention it just because it's like, I think the whole George Kittle conundrum expands beyond the Brock Purdy rest of season of it all. I, I would think, agree. I think it's an interesting conversation the dynasty managers have yes. to have. So like, again, kind of answered the question, but took it in a way that highlights something a little bit more scarier than regardless of who the quarterback is. So, well, like, so then... Let me put it this way to you guys. Real quick sure. answer on this. I'll start with you, Herms, then we'll go to you, Bo. George Kittle, are you starting him or are you looking for a streaming option? You have some streaming options that, depending on the name, I would give the green light to. Okay, Bo, you don't even have to name the player unless you got a guy ready off the top of your mind, but are you playing George Kittle or are you finding a streaming option? I am a traditionalist and I'm playing George Kittle because I have to. I, f okay. I have to. If I spent that draft capital on him and he has the highest ceiling, I'm a ceiling player. I'm a ceiling drafter. I'm drafting and playing and starting George Kittle because of his ceiling, knowing that the rest of the position is just as volatile, if not more, than even when George Kittle plays his worst and gets five points. That's fair. Is, I mean, 10 points for Chigakonkwa was, was tight end 10, I believe. That's that's horrible. Like the, the scoring is so depressed at the position, you can't help but hope for a ceiling performance from George Kittle. You have to start him because he's your ticket to that that game breaking week that can give you a win. And I think both points are completely valid. I'm inclined to agree with Bo, just because of what likely is available to be out there. But Herms has a fair point, and if you really are trying to play the matchups. I don't blame you. There are also guys out there like Greg Dulcich uh, who gets tons of target share, but is on such a bad offense that it rarely results to touchdowns. And while I think searching for a touchdown dependent tight end can be a slippery slope when your tight ends, not getting any touchdowns, that is an equal problem. Yeah. Um, so I definitely get where both you guys are coming from. I think that's fantastic analysis. Let's see though what you guys got for the kickers. Cause we're talking about Robbie Gould here, the That's best fantasy performer outside of the defense, depending on your scoring for the San Francisco 49ers this week was Robbie Gould with 18 points. Counting them racks on racks on racks. You love to see it, it was 39th overall in PPR scoring, according to fantasy pros. So my question for you and whoever wants it first can take it. Can you start, Without hesitation, Robbie Gould, the rest of the season, because I think the answer is yes. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Kicker, kicker is such a random crapshoot that if you have a guy who's on an offense that's in scoring position quite often, like independent of quarterback play, they're in scoring position quite often because the system they run puts them in that position quite often through the running game. Uh, yeah. And it's a conservative game. Like Shanahan is who he is, and he's one of the most conservative coaches in the NFL. So he's not going to push the envelope and go for a bunch of fourth downs when he knows his kicker is almost automatic and his defense is spectacular. So this yep. is it allows a coach like Shanahan to be conservative because he knows he can win games by shutting people down and putting points on the board, whether it's through the end zone or, or through the uprights. That's that's why Robbie Gold is a must-start kicker. If you have him, you're starting him every week because he's as steady as it gets. I mean, you can't really bet on kickers, but betting on a 49ers kicker, that's, that's pretty solid. Yep, age has shown a little for him this year, but I would agree with both of you on that. 
I think he is a start as well. So let's get into the fun stuff. Let's get into the wide receivers. Ooh, not so fast, friendos. That is actually the end of part one of this episode of The Lateral Show. Thought we'd leave you on a bit of a cliffhanger, but like I said at the beginning, make sure you tune in for part two for the remainder of our conversation about what to do with the San Francisco 49ers for fantasy and our fun little dive into what's going on with fantasy tight ends. We'll see you next time, folks. Woohoo! Follow the lateral on Twitter at the lateral FF. Beep boop.